You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. To say that today is a big day for Grace Community Church and for the Leagues would be an understatement. It would be quite an understatement. Ricky Allen Lee, that's A-L-A-N. Every time I tell someone Allison, for the first three or four years, I wanted to say that's one L, A-L-I-S-O-N. Ricky Allen Lee, A-L-A-N, has been formally ordained to gospel ministry. This is no small accomplishment. I've already given you uh, a sense about it when we had Ricky come forward and we laid hands on him. But this has meant several years of school. Look, there are a lot of places you can, I mean, you get an ordination certificate online, but you, you can go to a lot of churches and it's like someone says, I've been called to preach and they're like, great, let's come ahead and do, not at grace. No, you got to be well on your way in school. You need to be pursuing and, and, we, and for us to have confidence that you're going to finish your uh, Master of Divinity uh, or Master's in Seminary, Master of Arts, Master of Divinity. And as you know, David Calvert is getting his Ph.D. That will be happening soon. He's done with his dissertation and just has to defend it uh, publicly. And he's used to defending himself at staff meetings. So, <laughs> right, you know, Keisha and Ricky and I are peppering him. So he's, he's, he's got that part down. Um, and we're so proud of both of these guys. Ricky's done a lot of work in schooling. And like I say, this exam is no joke. Uh, all the elders will tell you that, that we ask the uh, candidates to uh, fill out. It's open book, but it doesn't matter. It's serious stuff. Um, in addition um, to all of this, well, thankfully, Ricky only has five kids and a wife, and so that's given him time, plenty of time to prepare for ordination. So today's message is a special charge to Reverend Ricky Lee. But I can assure you there is plenty of application for all the leaders of Grace Community Church and for every believer, every follower of Christ. So much of scripture might be directed toward an individual of a particular time, but then it applies to people who are just like that individual, and then it goes far beyond all scripture impacts all of us. There's something to learn from all of Scripture. And so this message is not just to Ricky, although it's specifically directed in certain ways. It's for all of us. It's for every serious-minded believer under the sound of my voice. And to go a step further, believers who are not serious-minded would do well. Oh, I, I beg you to let, as a result of this text today, and the Holy Spirit... Speaking to you, let the Holy Spirit burn these words deep into your heart and move from the, ah, playing at Christianity kind of category to, all right, I'm serious. That doesn't mean you move from messing up to perfection. There's just as much messing up over here as there is over here. But if serious-minded believer is going to understand that God calls us constantly and continually to repentance and faith and washes us and and cleanses and, and, and brings us into this beautiful fellowship with him. Ricky and April 
both. We are so, so very proud of you. Everyone here knows that we as elders of Grace Community Church and the church at large would not confer this weighty responsibility and privilege upon Ricky's shoulders without April's full 100% loving support. Uh, April, thank you so much for the way that you give of yourself and give of your family by allowing Ricky to do what he does. Look, we try at Grace, we try very hard, and, and sometimes we fail, but we do try very hard. Staff, elders, all ministry leaders, as much as possible to understand. If you have families, you have to um, give the kind of uh, uh, attention that you need to. It, it, we're called to in 1 Timothy 3. Billy Graham, you know, just died recently, and my prayer all along was, that the Lord would use him in death just as he did in life. And I know a lot of you were praying the same way. Uh, there were different texts. Most of what you read about Billy Graham was great. The Washington Post had a lovely um, uh, headlines. It was something like divorce, um, drugs, and something else. The legacy of an absent father. And it's like... I thought, how disingenuous, how hypocritical. The, the, the person who wrote that article, I promise you, has not given the kind of attention to his or her family that, that he was calling Billy Graham to give attention to his family. Um, any person who makes a great impact, and there is always sacrifice. You cannot, in any field, secular, spiritual, whatever, there's always sacrifice. And a person who is called to the ministry... It's called a sacrifice, but not only is that person called a sacrifice, so is his wife and, his, and, and, and their children. There is a level of sacrifice. Ricky balances this very well, as I'll talk about, but it's tough. It's difficult. And so we could not be more pleased to say as a church, Ricky and April, go and serve the Lord. Don't go more than two, three miles to get home, but <laughs> go and serve the Lord. God's charge to you this morning, Ricky, comes from 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8. 2 Timothy was an intimate letter written from the Apostle Paul to his number one disciple. Timothy, who was relatively young, somewhere in his mid-30s, and, and a pastor of Ephesus Church. 2 Timothy, he was one of many elders. That's very clear in 1 and 2 Timothy. He was the teaching elder. At that church, and so we had a great deal of responsibility. It's the last, Second Timothy is the last known writing of the Apostle Paul. It was written while he was awaiting execution. Two imprisonments for the Apostle Paul. The first one, he's like, Well, I think God's going to deliver me. It really doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I, if, if, if I'm executed, I'll go to be with the Lord. That's really far better. But I think the Lord's going to leave me here for a while longer and minister to you. And he was saying that to the people at Philippi. In 2 Timothy, he's yes. like, okay, this is it. It's, it's just a matter of time. And not long after Paul wrote, Nero indeed relieved the apostle Paul of his head, making him a martyr for Jesus Christ. What might Paul want to say before his execution to Timothy? Here is a hint. It was not, Timothy, here's how to avoid the mess that I got myself into. There's nothing like it. Actually, it was the opposite way. 
After this message, Ricky and April, we're going to give you one more chance to back out. No, just kidding. You're not. You're in. In some ways, is this not true? In some ways, every one of us makes a decision, a choice every day to stand firm or to walk away from Jesus. We make that decision every day. Let's get to the text. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8. And as is our custom, I'll ask you if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's not that big a deal, is it? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Father, we tend to love your appearing when times get hard. Or when things are going really well. Lord, may this day every one of us be drawn in our hearts to the beautiful gospel of Jesus. And may we with all of our hearts long to be with you. Done with this pain-filled, pain-wracked world. And sinful, sinful place. And time in which we're constantly being pulled and pushed away from the gospel. Lord, may all of us uh, heed this charge. Uh, and even though on this day it's directed first to Ricky and his family, may every one of us be sitting in that same seat hearing with encouragement. Your word to hang in there. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Missy. Well, as Paul's life draws to an end, this is his last chance. Timothy is his main disciple. And in Paul's mind, the gospel is going to continue through Timothy and through the, the, the influences that he has. Uh, in fact, since this is, uh, Christianity 
is, is a religion that is, that is placed in a, in a space and a time. And, and so, in a sense, he's instructing all of us in these truths. And so the setting is important to us to understand. Paul's in prison. He's saying, I'm going to die for what I've been preaching. Now, Timothy, you who are a fearful individual, stand firm when you're called to stand firm. Stand firm. Hang in there with Christ and preach the word no matter what. And in the same way, you would want your last words to be meaningful. Paul spoke from the deepest places of his heart as the Holy Spirit led him to say just the right words to his beloved Timothy. So based on Paul's words to Timothy, which comes straight from the Holy Spirit, I offer five words of challenge to you, Ricky, and the first one you've been seeing for a bit. Uh, it's, it is a fearful thing to represent the kingdom of God in an official capacity. It, it is a fearful thing for anybody, officially ordained in a church or not. It's a fearful thing for us to represent the kingdom of God. Not just because of what people will do for us. Think about it. We are representing the king of the universe. We're representing the creator, the redeemer. You already know this, though, don't you? Anyone who answers God's call to ministry ought to understand the seriousness of the call. Now look, I joke around some on Sunday mornings just a little bit here or there. And, it's, and, and if, if, if it really made you that mad, you probably wouldn't be here that much longer. One of the ways that we talk about it and say it is this. We take the word of God seriously, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. And if you take yourself so seriously that everything becomes an offense to you and it becomes uh, you're upset about this and that and, and, and it's very hard to love in the ways that we're called to love. I'm trying, I've been working for 64 years to not take myself so seriously. I can get just as offended as anybody. Um, this is not your time to speak, Allison, so just uh, <laughs> hold it there uh, if you would for a later time, uh, like 75 80 years or something like that. But when it comes to ministry, we got to be serious and we've got to know what it is we're called to do and, and, and what is at stake. That's why the first portion of this charge applies to you, Ricky. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. As I worked through First and Second Timothy, I was taken by the number of times that the ministry of preaching was given in association with Jesus' return. Here's why this is so serious. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. Furthermore, Paul's various charges to Timothy were given in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels. 1 Timothy 4, 14 to 16, one that I've already read, is just one example of what this day means. Let's look at it again. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. 
Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. So that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Yourself and your hearers. Again, I can't get my head around that. But again, that's not just true for Ricky. As he preaches, that's true for every believer. Keep a watch on yourselves, on the doctrine. Understand what you know, what you believe scripture to say. And then present it as it is the very word of God going to people. And by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Second, gospel ministry requires a ready heart and a ready mind at all times. Ricky, you are one of the hardest working people I've ever known. And I have known a lot of hardworking people. It is impressive in the ways that you fulfill your responsibilities at work while passionately pursuing your wife and your children and home. Why are you laughing, April, about that? She's not. It, it, it's true. It's a good balance that you have achieved. And I know you don't feel like you've got any balance at all in your life. When you're in school, like these guys have been in school, you read what they tell you to read. You do what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. And that's with other bosses. And, and any leader of a church has... Let's just say a lot of bosses. <clears throat> a lot of bosses. You've done very well. What many of you don't understand about ministry, I think you may have a little bit of a sense of it, but you really have to be in full-time ministry to know this. You never leave your work at the office. Ever. The charge to Timothy in verse 2 implies far more than being on all the time. Be ready in season and out of season to preach the word. Um, he's, there are five imperatives, five commands in this verse. With preach the word being the primary charge of all the others following in staccato military fashion. Preaching involves reproving, rebuking, exhorting. It's far more than standing behind a pulpit and delivering a, a, a sermon. It is a gospel proclamation regardless of your setting, whether you are in public or in private communication. You're to share the gospel whether you feel like it or not. One of the things that was so hard, I learned this at Teen Valley. When one group leaves... And you are exhausted and you've got just enough time to clean the toilets and the, all the rooms and clean up the grounds, cut the grass before another group comes in. You are on when that group comes in. Emotionally, you've got to be on. It's the same way in ministry. I mean, look, how would you feel if I got up and said, okay, let's turn to this text and it's been a hard day, but let me see if I can get through this. I'm tempted to, sometimes not tempted really to do it, but that's how I feel. But that doesn't serve the kingdom for me. It's not a hypocritical thing. Be ready, in season, out of season. It doesn't matter what's going on. You've got to preach the word in the ways that God called you to do.
doesn't matter if you're discouraged, fatigued, struggling with failure in your own life. I do hope, Ricky, that you didn't yell at your kids on the way to church today. Uh, but even if you did, you're going to stand at the, in the front of this table and lead us to the Lord's table in the, in, in, soon. And you have the privilege of preaching the gospel to yourself as well as to the rest of us as you lead us. As you preach the word, the Lord calls you to reprove, rebuke, and exhort in pointing out that the preacher is to address the intellect, the conscience, and the will, Thomas Leah says this. Timothy was to correct error by the use of reasoned argument. He was to rebuke a straying conscience whenever the need appeared. He was to give hope by providing tender encouragement in the face of discouraging opposition. That's your role. Intellect, emotions, will, conscience, all of it. As you can imagine, reproving, rebuking, exhorting will not always make you popular, which leads to the third prong of this charge. Biblically sound, gospel-centered preaching is countercultural, often to the point of loneliness and to the point of persecution. The gospel is a simple message, and you would just think that people would say, wait a minute, wait. I'm a sinner, and God, God's wrath is directed toward me as a sinner, and yet I can receive by faith this free gift, and everything is cool. You would think that everybody would say, where do I line up for that? Tell me where. It, it, you get this kind of salvation, but it's not so. People want to earn their own way. Another thing that we learn about the gospel is that not only is God calling us to repentance, to acknowledge our sins in the, in the ways that he says our sins have affected us. And our sin that we've been passed down all the way from Adam has affected us, but also to repent. And to repent is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't ever want to do that again. A lot of people think that forgiveness from the Lord is simple like, Oh, God, well, I'm sorry I did it again, but I'm not perfect. So, hey, I know you love me, and that's really good. And then you just go on living your way you want to. We're going to sin over and over and over. But repentance calls us to that place where we say, Lord, please, please deliver me from this sin. But repentance has embedded in it the seeds of joy. When we fully repent, we know what Jesus has done for us. But in so, when we come to Christ, we come saying, my whole life is yours. And that means believing what he said in his word to be true about the way I live my life, about the way culture is supposed to work, about just the way we are to get along in the world. And that's the part that gives so many people trouble. They don't want to hear that like they used to want to hear it maybe in the early days. True Repentance leads us toward Jesus. But perfection is not possible for any of us. We will sin until the day we die or until Jesus returns. And in fact, to the moment we die or the moment that Jesus returns. Even though we are no longer in Adam, God has adopted us out of Adam and put us into Christ. 
Adam is still in us. A part of Adam came with us when we went into Christ. And it's Adam and Christ constantly vying for control in our lives. If that doesn't make sense to you, I'll be happy to explain it sometime. Just not today. I've got family here. We're going out for lunch afterwards. If you would like to buy our lunch, we'll meet you at Hibachi. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, repentance is a gift that puts us at peace with God. Not only repentance that leads to saving faith, but repentance that keeps believers close to God. You may think it's clean living that keeps you close to God, but that's not so. We joke about that, don't we? You know, you hit a good golf shot, you get a good sale, you know, you just barely miss an accident, and you're tempted to say, clean living. Not really. It's repentance and faith. And those lead to good works. When you believe the gospel, you were called to believe all scripture. You will not have been a serious-minded Christian for long until you realize that much about this created order and God's design for his world was totally corrupted by sin. And that there are a lot of people, well, the, the, the world as a whole has a system that is diametrically opposed to the Lord. Now, as much as you can look like God's created order, but then live it your own way, then you're really good because you're like, what, what's up with you? I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be. Two people love each other, they ought to be together, right? I don't know. Ask your husband and wife about that, really. I mean, if you think it's okay for you, I, I just, we're in love over here. So you're okay with that, right? Let's just keep, no, it's not. It's not okay to live in this world in ways that God has deemed not a part of his order and unhealthy and sinful. There is something very wrong with the world because of sin. And when you preach about God's design and God's order, not everybody's going to want to hear that. When you preach the gospel and all of its implications, not everybody is going to want to hear that. There are a few times more painful for a pastor when those that have been a vital part of the body walk away and I don't care who you are and how good a pastor you are that's going to happen again and again and again it's just as painful for any of you who know somebody that loves the Lord and over time becomes hard or calloused or, or hurt and ultimately just walks away from God, And I am not saying that a person who walks away from Grace Community Church is walking away from the Lord. That's not always the case by any means. But it does happen. And you should understand this, everybody in this church. Understand this. When you say, I don't like, and then there's something about the church. Often it's, I don't like what that preacher is saying or doing. And you walk away. There's, there's just tension in your soul. And it's easy to just keep on walking. I'll go to a fire, especially 
when you're thinking this church is so out of touch with the culture and the Bible doesn't have anything to say about that. Well, we believe it does. It's not because we want to believe that same-sex marriages are, are wrong in the eyes of the Lord. That's not um, what we want to believe, but it's there. It's true. And we have no choice but to say this is truth. And when people say, I don't like that anymore, I'm going to go to another church that preaches the word. Are they really preaching the word? If they're saying, that's okay. Look, there are a lot of things that just don't matter anymore in our day in this 21st century. Here's the thing. Ricky, you know this. The first century, how did that compare to the 21st century? It was worse. It was worse than we are. But the word addresses all the things that it addresses today. And it says, this is God's way. This is the world's way. And you know what? You've got to make a choice. And when you say that, sometimes you're going to be unpopular. There's going to be times, Ricky, when you feel like a failure. Because others no longer want to hear what you're offering. There'll be times when you feel like it will be best for all concerned. For you to just walk away from ministry. But God calls you to be faithful and persevere to preach the gospel. While I could go into significant detail about this text today, it speaks for itself. Notice the description of those who walk away from truth and all those, and also the response that all believers are called to, not only those who preach. 2 Timothy 4. Three through five. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering. Endure suffering. That's a part of it. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This ministry is not written like the call to gospel ministry that we're talking about to Ricky. And therefore, it applies to all of us. We are all called to do the same thing. When I was at camp and people would say, hey, what do you think about divorce and remarriage? I would say, look, I'm a camp director. Ask somebody who cares. Ask a pastor. You know, I don't know about all that stuff. I wanted to know, but some of the time I didn't know, and that was just my joking way. But every one of us are called to learn the scripture at those kinds of levels and to speak the truth. And while it would be easy to say, why don't you go talk to my pastor? He'll be happy to tell you. Or Pastor Ricky. Now, Pastor Ricky, go talk to him. He's been ordained. He's been studying all this stuff. If you know the truth, you need to share it. And that's not easy. Just not. For a long time in our country, it has been fashionable to go to church and to live fairly closely to, according to biblical principles. As long as you're not too fanatical about it. Just don't get too fanatical. The day is coming, though, and has already arrived that believers are going to have to make choices. Do you believe what God says about holiness and the ways that we are to live or will you go to where a pastor tells you what you want to hear? And there are plenty of them around. 
I could not say those kinds of things more than one Sunday before the elders say, if you do that again, we're not going to continue this relationship. And the second time they would say, he's out. Maybe walk up here while I'm preaching and say, you can't do that. We are accountable to one another. All of the elders are accountable to one another. We're accountable to you. You're accountable. We're all accountable to keep the truth. And when congregations say, we don't like this guy. Let's get somebody who will tell us what we want to hear. They are signing their death warrant as a church. And many of them are signing their eternal damnation and destruction because no longer... Are they under the sound of the gospel that they never believed? And now I can just be comfortable with my life. You cannot say, you know, I love the gospel message, but all the Christian beliefs that are outdated belong to another cultural area. I just don't. I'm just not going to go there. We're not given the luxury of preaching and scratching where people itch. They have itching ears. It says, I don't like to moan and groan publicly and I really try to limit it privately. But ministry is difficult and lonely and painful. Sometimes, sometimes for extended periods of time. And nobody should know. It's just the call that you've been given, Ricky. It's a pretty good gig right now that I've got, but, and, and that's not meant as a challenge, by the way. Okay, let's see if we can't change that. <laughs> and so many of you, and I've told you this before, so many of you who have come in in the last four or five years talk about, I've never seen a church as at peace as this one is. It's been hard won. We've had our days. And if, the, if we're ordaining Ricky to ministry, if you want this to continue, you pray for the unity of the elders, the holiness of the elders, the, the, the ability to, to, to get along with one another, love one another, and discern truth, and to lead our church according to the ways that he has called us to lead. But church leaders also, all church leaders need to be reminded of Paul's words that form the basis of the fourth part of our challenge of this charge, which is ending well is more important than beginning well. I am a great starter, a great starter, not a great finisher. That's why I have so many bookmarks, bookmarks after the first or second chapters of books that are scattered all over my house. <laughs> James K.A. Smith wrote an article lately and liberated me. He said, that's okay. So apparently he has the same problem. Uh, my, my intentions are good, but the completing part of me often has the last say. Actually, the completing part can grow rather quiet rather quickly. When it comes to believing and preaching the gospel, though, I don't have a choice. I, I am thrilled to be doing this at this age, and I hope I am for 30 more years. And you're thinking, yes, and I wonder where that might be that you'll be doing. I'm kidding. I want to keep preaching, though. And, and it's not because I don't want to retire. David and I, by the way, we have each other's backs. This morning I was saying in our preparation, um, hey, we're going to do this. And he's like, I thought we said, uh, I said, you're right. Okay, you're right. He's got my back on that. 
I got your back this time, David. We're not going to Australia this summer. Um, and we're going, we're going to Europe this summer. Uh, this is a big year for us, 20th anniversary of me being here, Allison, 60. And we're taking a sabbatical, a two-month sabbatical. I'm going to be preaching some of those in June and July that the elders have graciously um, granted us. We're going to be seeing Joe and Stefania, by the way, uh, this summer and uh, sending our love to them. But there's, sure, there's a part of me that would like to just relax and go to Barnes & Noble and all of that. But I have this fire in me to preach. Today is a horrible example. Last week, I don't ever feel this way. Kevin DeYoung says, I'm a pastor. Therefore, when I'm preparing a sermon, when I'm preaching a sermon, or when I'm finished and re reflecting on the sermon, I don't feel good about it. That's just the way pastors are. Last week, I felt really good about that week in Isaiah. This week, I don't feel good at all. I'm rambling all over the place. <laughs> and I don't even know why I said that. So. <laughs> Like I said, I'm a great starter, but I just can't bring it. I can't land the thing. That's why I'm flying. If lost had been made on an airplane, I would be that guy. Yeah. Always. It's God's good spirit in me that has kept me grounded and safe in the Father's love. I must be willing, if necessary, to endure to the point of death the sake of the gospel, Ricky, I know you've got that kind of commitment. I know you have. Let verses 6 and 7 sink deep in your heart, all of you. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When I'm asked to perform a wedding ceremony for a happy couple, as I was last night, that was so awesome. Uh, a friend of ours uh, is getting married. It's just so exciting. Um, a friend from, she's in Charlotte now. The wedding is going to be at Jekyll Island, Georgia. So please, again, pray for us as we suffer this summer in that part of our sabbatical. I always say this. I will perform the ceremony, unless there are biblical reasons, and that those extend pretty far. Unless there are biblical reasons that would say to, cause me to say, no, I can't, I can't not in good conscience perform this wedding. Um, I always say I'll perform it under one condition, and that is that you are committed to live one, with one another for the rest of your days. That you're going to work out no matter what happens. And they're like, yes, of course. And I say, yeah, I know. I, it really doesn't mean all that much right now, but I'm, I want you to look at me and think about this. You're committed. Right? And I don't get to say this very often to those of you who are in here. You hang in there. If there are biblical reasons for you to walk away, I still wish you would hang in there. But I'm not going to be more spiritual in Jesus and say that you, don't, that you have to. But if you're not committed... You'll find a reason in a culture that is so accepting and designed to help you through the difficulties. You'll find a reason to walk away. Ricky, the Lord calls you to the same level of commitment to fulfill your service to the Lord. Look, there are reasons that people are no longer in vocational 
ministry, legitimate reasons, and they continue to serve the Lord. But you are called to walk with Jesus all the days of your life and make sure it's a good reason before you walk away from everything. And not many stay true to the end. What will secure this level of commitment? That's the focus of the last point. The reward for faithful preaching is Jesus himself. I've already mentioned this, but looking through First and Second Timothy, it's amazing how often the call to ministry is associated with the second coming of Jesus. Not always, but often. And I suppose we're right back to the seriousness of the call recognizing that when Jesus returns, both saved and unsaved will appear before him for judgment. As we were reminded last week in Hebrews 9.27, there is death and then there is the judgment. Everybody must die. It's appointed unto all men to die and then there's judgment. But then verse 28 on the hill says, but for the saved, those who know Jesus, he doesn't return for judgment. He returns to save those and to bring them into life and union with him. Why do we believe that the Father, that God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created the world and redeems those who, though they be fallen, are saved through faith in Christ and eagerly await his return? Why do we? We just do. God called us and we came in repentance and faith. Our reward for ministry, both in this life and the one to come, is Jesus, who loves and affirms Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everyone worships something or someone, Ricky. Worship Jesus. Make sure your heart is fully devoted to him. And then your heart will be fully devoted to April and your children. And to everybody in this room. May you be able, Ricky, to say with Paul at the end of your life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved is appearing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the elders and deacons if they would come forward uh, for, and also the worship team uh, to receive uh, the Lord's Supper and then lead the rest of us into the Lord's Supper. But Ricky is going to be the one who leads us. I'll pray and then Ricky, you, you come. Father, uh, on this day, which... Uh, so much is focused on this man who has been called to preach. I'm certain that his heart would be no focus on Jesus. Just like Billy Graham said so often, it seems to me too much Billy and not enough Jesus. So Lord, that's one of the reasons that we are so delighted to, to today commend Ricky to the preaching of the gospel. We thank you for our brother. We thank you for Jesus who makes our brother who and what he is. And we pray for this time now uh, that it would be blessed for all of us as family here at Grace. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.